Not Too Deep. Hello and welcome to another episode of Not Too Deep. I'm your host, Grace Helbig. We have two for the price of one today. Very exciting stuff. Honey Davenport and Aja are with us today. Two amazing drag queens, drag artists, just all around incredible human beings. We find out what they've been up to in quarantine. You'll be very surprised by the answers. We also find out what really happens when you get the call to be a contestant on RuPaul's Drag Race uh, and what it's really like being on a reality competition show, what happens after, how they met, what kind of music they're up to now and other artistic endeavors that they're getting into. This was such a fun, silly, wonderful episode and I hope you enjoy it with Honey Davenport and Aja. All right. Honey Davenport, Aja, this is so exciting. Thank you for joining us remotely in these weird times. Um, I want to ask you both, how are you doing? You both look like you're thriving in different ways. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on the day. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I, think, I think that I'm doing as best as possible in these circumstances. Like, okay. It's definitely really hard, but I am consistently finding new ways to cope. You know? Good. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely super weird. Um, And I think uh, there's just, like, these moments of, like, kind of, like, indoor mass hysteria where the mass hysteria is really just yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, I've had these moments where I'm just like, oh, my God, am I dying? Like, am I anxious? Like... (laughs) You know, I've been walking around checking my temperature every five minutes. Uh, (laughs) I'm sort of that person. I'm a hypochondriac on the regular and sort of a germaphobe. So Uh literally, this has not been a fun experience. However, um, I'm alive. You're alive. Um, But also because you guys, your normal day-to-day, everyday working life is so busy. I'm assuming you're so on the road. So now to be quarantined and stuck in your homes must be such a strange experience for you. I have never been here. (laughs) (laughs) I got this apartment and I've never been to it. (laughs) Really? I haven't. I mean, I finally got furniture a month before this all happened and on a fluke. Thank God. Because I was like, I was like, yo, I need to not have a blow up bed. I can't invite trade over. So like <laughs> I need to actually get a bed in my LA apartment because I've been between New York and LA. And so just on a whim, like one day after doing brunch in LA, I was like, mm-hmm. all of the money I make from brunch, I'm going to Ikea. I'm getting furniture right now. Ah. And I did. And thank God, because then I got back here and I was like, oh my God, I have to stay in here. But I've never been here. So I've been like... <laughs> Making it my home. I made a nice. garden. I put Good up my you. put up my RuPaul trophy next to my bed so that I can talk to her at night. That's <laughs> weird. But... <laughs> no, you all need to connect somehow. Right. Um, okay. First of all, I want to hear your guys's origin story. How did you two meet each other? Do you have? And also, do you have the same memory of how you met each other? Do you have the same experience? Do you want to go first or second, Aja? <laughs> okay, I don't know if you, I don't know what your memory is going to be, but I remember the first time I rather saw Honey mm-hmm. was actually at the Ritz, maybe like ten years ago. I was wow. definitely underage, and <laughs> Honey was uh, wearing all red, and she had like these like cones on her head, and she was in this band, and she was singing this song called Indestructible, mm. and. Um, 
I remember thinking like, wow, like uh, she was calling herself like this drag fierce hybrid. And I, I was so fascinated because I remember thinking like, wow, I kind of want to be like her. Because uh, mm-hmm. Honey really branded like um, fusing together like elements of like drag music and uh, being a club kid in New York City at the time. And she was really doing it up. Oh, Aww. thank you. Oh, that's so sweet. That's <laughs> I, so sweet. Oh, I love you so much. That's so sweet. <laughs> I, I remember the first time I met Aja was at a talent competition called mm-hmm. Tranimal at Posh Bar. Do you remember this? Okay, and- I'm so scared to know where this story is going to go. <laughs> I'm excited. And uh, she was, uh, she had like, a, her. I just always had like a bomb crew. Like she always uh-huh. had her, like her fam. So it was like a group of her and a bunch of other girls who would come out to Tranimal and compete. And I was like looking at her like, this is a bad bitch, yo. Like she's <laughs> uh, And like, I was, I remember when we were, um, when, when I was getting ready to send Aja the message, to ask her to be on Draw the Blood with me um, mm. or to do, actually I was just writing her a message to ask her to, to make music with me because I like her music. I'd scroll Oh, so all- you guys, you weren't even like very close before that happened. We we oh, got wow. really close. Like we hung out that one time, remember in the West Village that it was between your season and All Stars. We hung out that, yes. that, that was cute. And, and we hung out a lot at, at the Monster when I worked there, but I don't work there no more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we were very like impassing for a while because mm-hmm. um, after I got on a drag race, especially like I was doing the most. And then Honey mm-hmm. was also like, Honey was doing the most even before drag race because Honey was winning pageants and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, okay. So uh, I think we really started to connect uh, over kind of like, and not to be so inspirational, but we started to really connect over like our hardships of uh, navigating through like, constructs and stuff mm-hmm. like that facts yeah yeah that's definitely yeah. a thing and that I, makes a lot of sense i was I, I was saying that i remember right when i was going to ask her i scroll all the way to the top of our messages from the first text message that i like to do that sometimes randomly to people like so it's like <laughs> the first dm that i've ever sent them or whatever or facebook messenger or whatever and uh-huh. mine was it was from her to me and it, it and it said like it was like i like your art so much i would love to do something with you even a number or something anywhere sometimes and I was wow. like, like Aja wrote that to me 10 years ago and I'm sitting here gagging on everything she does. <laughs> like when I got Drag Race, I called her and was like, hey girl. And she's like, I know what you're calling about. You're calling these, like that person uh, asked me to do something with me a decade ago. That, it was just so, ri- so weird. Oh, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. But you guys, so you talked a little bit about how you guys came together because of your life experiences and like shared experiences in a lot of ways. And Draw the Blood, which came out a few months ago. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful music video and a beautiful song, but it it's very um it's very powerful. How did this song come about for you? Because it is extremely impactful and you can tell it means a lot to both of you. Well, this song in particular, I mean, I've, I've, I've really used my platform and my music ever since uh, experiencing tons of racism, even within New York City, where I was living. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've been using my music and my platform to shed a light on it, that it's happening, mm-hmm. and start the conversation around it in hopes that that would change. Uh, and Aja and I, have we've, we've chit-chatted about how different the game is for a person of color in our industry so many times that... Um, I originally was like, let's make a song about Halloween. And she was like, let's 
let's make a song about something that we actually talk about that we're actually doing or you know whatever uh, and, and, and 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 i was like yeah that that sounds much better um so let's not make a song about halloween <laughs> but i still um, want to see the halloween song eventually please i mean maybe yeah i'm down <laughs> um but uh yeah but we we were talking a bunch and we were talking about how not only is it painful experiencing the injustices we experience, but mm -hmm. watching our brothers and sisters say absolutely nothing while it happens and call themselves mm -hmm. their friends is a huge part of that. It's like, it would be like if, some, it's like if somebody was calling you their best friend, but watching you get beat up every day. Like, right, right. Yeah. It's, but it, what was the feeling like? So you create this beautiful music video and you put it out there. There must have been a sense of anxiousness in putting something like this out there. How was that for you? Um, for me, I, I, and it, I directed the video as well. Uh, and, you know, Sanford Miser said art is just a mirror to life. And I just mm -hmm. wanted to show what life felt like for me. It felt like mm. there was blood on all of these people's hands as well mm. like i felt angry and i wanted to make a video that expressed that um as opposed to there's other really dangerous ways to express those emotions and i didn't want to yeah. get caught up in that um good and, for you uh so for me releasing it even you know i went to hang out with aja the day it came out and we were like this is slow really building slow views for both of our platforms we don't understand why and i was like i'm happy that our story is being told that somebody yeah. is yeah. starting the conversation. It, it, it wasn't for anything else other than that. That's great. I, I sort of knew uh, in the back of my mind, uh, I was like, you know what? There's people who are not going to want to hear it. But you know what? What's important is the people who are hearing it are receiving the message. And mm -hmm. what, you know, when we were putting it out, all I could think was like, you better receive it. You, you better <laughs> take it and share it and just you know, tell your friend, tell your yeah. grandmother, right. tell your cousin. Because at the end of the day, the real message here is just community. And it's really just speaking up for people who, not that they don't have voices, who think they don't have a voice. And right. mm. uh, draw the blood while sort of making it seem like um, there's like bystanders is also kind of proving that the people who are being victimized and tokenized have a strong, a stronger voice than people think and it's you know unfortunately it just happens that sometimes nobody hears us until we scream and that's yeah. why we keep screaming wow yeah. that's very yeah. powerful yeah. okay let's um let's talk about drag race a little bit now yeah uh you get two iconic beautiful people on drag race what do you, you get the call that you're going to be on the show What's the first set of calls that you make? What are the questions that you're asking other queens? And what are now the questions that you're getting from other queens? That's so funny because <laughs> I called Aja. Right. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> like she was literally the person that I called. I called Aja and then Milan um, uh -huh. because those were two New York City people of color whose style and taste and performance I identified with. And I was like, I would like to represent myself in a similar way, but like mm. not too planned. So like, yeah. where did y'all go and what did y'all do? But like, I'm going to take everything you say with a grain of salt. You know? So sure. Yeah. Uh, it was really funny too, because uh, uh, Honey had hit me up, but so did uh, Vanessa Vangie Mateo had hit me up for that same season. And we were oh. all just talking and I was like trying not to like give them the, like the same feedback. And I was like, this is weird. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
but for me personally, uh, the first time I got on Drag Race, because I did Drag mm-hmm. Race twice. Uh, right. The, the first time, uh, there was a sense of apprehension for me because I was so broke and so poor and I had to do everything on my own. And I also mm-hmm. had just got out of this really weird, long relationship and I was still living with my partner at the time. And Ooh. Drag Race was such a golden ticket for me, like not because I wanted to be like the biggest, baddest drag queen in the world. It was a golden ticket for me to feel safe and happy. And mm. uh, it, although my first run didn't go exactly how I wanted or planned, I was so grateful to have achieved the sense of like safeness. And then, uh, but when I went on the second time, girl, I called everybody <laughs> I knew. I said, I, I was like, you got time because I got money and I need costumes and I need this, that, and other. Can you make me look better than all these bitches? <laughs> oh, I did that the first time. I dug myself into <laughs> so much debt. I spent uh, $20,000. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, well, see, that's okay. Here's a quick question because I don't think people really realize how much work you guys have to do by yourselves in preparation for this right. season. The way it's edited, it looks like you guys just magically put these looks together and that you've had these in your closet for years no. and years and you've like perfectly crafted them, but you're doing so much heavy lifting and so much pre-planning. I can't even begin to wrap my brain around it. I want to say something that I don't think I've ever even really come to terms with in this interview. <laughs> when I cried at the end of Drag Race, I was not crying about losing Drag Race. I was crying that I had spent $20,000 <laughs> and I was going home. Like, where was I going to get 20,000 more dollars uh, from to pay these people back? And trust uh, me, it hasn't even always come. <laughs> you know, honestly, I feel like people at home sometimes don't realize, uh, and this is why I feel like viewership can bring sort of this weird bias with the liking of, of the cast members. And mm-hmm. this is, you know, how unfortunately sometimes like classism and racism can take it into play. Uh, what happens is, is people who come from smaller incomes or play smaller cities tend to not be able to afford to get these big costumes. Then they bring things that they really made at home. Mm-hmm. And then you have queens who really outsource the hell out of everything. The viewer thinks every single queen made everything for themselves from scratch yeah. sometimes. So the presentation of what you're seeing, sometimes it's all bought. And mm-hmm. what happens is, is, you know, people will fall in love with the one who looks more rich or looks mm. more... You know, to them, what looks better is what looks more put together. And sometimes, you know, they sort of like, um, they forget about the queens who really struggled and put everything. And and it's sad to say that sometimes a queen will go on Drag Race and make it far and they didn't have to budge a finger. But there's queens Mm. who sacrificed everything and barely stood a chance. And, you know, that's when I tell people that's, because Drag Race is not really a drag competition. It's a television show. And, Mm. you know, certain things make for great TV and other things don't. And um, I think that it's important for the fans to stop treating Drag Race as the biggest drag competition or the quote-unquote Drag Olympics, because it's not. It's a reality show where you get to really find out, you know, what happens behind the scenes of drag. But Mm -hmm. in no way is it really a competition, because uh, first of all, drag is so subjective already. And, right, right, right. You know, the people who are watching are extremely unqualified to judge. <laughs> very fair, very fair. <laughs> the, uh, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, what's the biggest thing that either surprised you or shocked you about being part of a reality program? Because, like you're saying, Aja, it's not just a competition. They're 
catching you behind the scenes. There's cameras behind the mirrors. You're saying things in, you know, talking head interviews that make the cut that you probably don't remember you even said. Like, what was the most shocking thing to you the first time you did it? The most shocking thing for me the first time I did it, besides the temperature of the studio. Which, oh, my God. That shit way, is cold as fuck. Oh, really? Girl, it is so cold. Like, girl, I literally had a, a cold every day. Like, honestly, it was the worst. I was in there uh, like, my people are from Africa. What are y'all doing? <laughs> and personally, the most shocking uh, part of the experience is how long everything takes. Because it, it, mm. on, on TV, it looks so short. And then when you're yeah. there, it's like, hurry up and wait. And by the way, shut up. It's like, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and to me, that was shocking because to me, it, it kind of drains the fun because you realize you showed up to work. <laughs> right, right, right. How about you, honey? Was there anything that after you watch your season back that surprised you? I was so surprised at how little of me they used because I know I was hilarious. <laughs> like, I keep playing. No, honestly, that's really real. Like, honestly, I'm, I'm very thankful for everything I've gotten from that platform. But, like, mm-hmm. I've played through these memories in my head and, like, for a while I was thinking, sis, I must be fucking crazy. Like, I know that I didn't <laughs> sit on there and not say anything. And then, like, I've been on, like, I was on tour with Raven and mm-hmm. Raven was like, I just don't understand. I was there and you were... And I was like, yeah, I don't understand either. Like, uh, what the fuck? I just didn't make the cut. There's some, there's probably some hilarious Honey Davenport, like one-liners all sitting on some editor's floor. Yeah, I it, know. Give us those un, uh, unseen scenes. I want that. I mean, I've talked a whole bunch about penis, so that's probably <laughs> why. <laughs> well, I, I think because it's a TV show, you know, they eventually have to circle back to storylines. And then what yeah. happens is, it's like, you know, if it, I think I honestly think they should do another spinoff where it's just like unedited, where it's literally just all the oh. nonsense that doesn't match the story, but like it yeah. will make people laugh. Right. Because- Drag race uncut. <laughs> yeah, I would love that because there is I mean, it's edited so quickly, which, you know, paces the show well so people can pay attention the whole time. But there's clearly so much conversation that no one gets to hear and so much like even just mundane activities mm-hmm. that you guys are doing that I would love to see. You know what uh, I would love to see? I would love to see that six-way lip sync all played out with me massacring every girl on that stage. <laughs> That's what I would like to see. Just saying. I would like to see a live feed cam of me eating burritos in my hotel room, suffering <laughs> from, like, loneliness. Oh, well, I would love to see a live stream cam on my OnlyFans if I, or just for fans. Oh, yeah. just for fans? <gasps> just for fans of just my hotel room? That would be an experience because... Uh, I mean, there's a revenue stream for you. <laughs> Think about it. It was wild. Well, I had to calm with my anxiety somehow. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, I have more questions on Not Too Deep. We'll be right back. Not Too Deep with Grace Heidbeck. Okay. Um, now I want to talk about, have both of you started endeavoring into the world of cameo? Is that what I heard? Yes. Oh my God. I just started. So, okay. okay. I used to get all. Yeah. Tell me to- about this. Cause I'm fascinated by cameo, which is basically for people that don't know, it's a platform where people can request personalized videos mm-hmm. from you. So I have heard about cameo for years and 
I was at first a little anti-cameo because I was like, I can do this on my own. I can sell videos <laughs> of me saying happy birthday and go fuck yourself on my own. And then right. literally, you know, obviously we're busy. That never happens. And then, right. you know, the, quarant- the quarantine was happening. And I said, you know what? I'm going to just go for it because I-, I asked Twitter, I asked my fans, I said, you know, would you guys like to see me do cameo? And they're like, yes. I made like five cameos already or six. And literally uh-huh. they are ridiculous. Like they... <laughs> There's one of me doing the Millie Rock with kitchen knives and calling ah! the guy. Well, the the guy who requested it, his name was Michael. So I was like, I was like, okay, bitch, are you Michael Myers? What's up? Let's go. <laughs> See, I want people to request stupid stuff to me. People are just like, say happy birthday to me. Or like somebody asked me to like read the honorees of a, an award and then the award winner. I was really? like, work, absolutely. I feel like I just got booked for like $25, but all right. <laughs> You got to drag it out. Somebody was like, oh, can you tell my boyfriend I miss him? We're in quarantine. And I made this whole, like, two-minute video. I was like, your boyfriend fucking misses you so much. He said he wants to fuck you so bad. He loves you. <laughs> he, he told me to tell you he wants to marry you. When he sees you, he's going to kiss you. He's going to yes. love you. Like, yes. oh my drama. <laughs> yeah. See, now you guys have the power to really ruin relationships for people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you made me rethink about how I'm going to do my cameo now. <laughs> I'm right? all nice and inspirational, like, be cheerful. You got this girl hanging in there. <laughs> I was like, do you know that the person who sent this to you really wants <laughs> I-, I told I someone, that th- they were like, can you cheer me up? I said, if you don't cheer up, I said, Ariana Grande is going to shove your ass and strangle you with her ponytail. Thank God. I, I mean, would, that's a I beautiful threat. I would remain threat. sad. I would remain yeah. sad for a little while. <laughs> now, okay, you've both worked in different aspects of theater. Uh, honey, you did an off-Broadway show. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've done Broadway shows and Broadway national tours. Uh, I I went to school for musical theater, so I was in Hairspray. Oh, oh were wow. you amazing? Yeah. Wait, so how? Where was the um? Where is the shift into the world of drag? Um, I was really drunk on the Hairspray tour <laughs> one day, <laughs> okay. and I actually, <laughs> and I actually was. Um, it was Mark Shaman had came to visit the tour. Uh, uh-huh. We were in Hartford, Connecticut, and he had like a little pizza party and wine for everybody. I had way too much. And I was like, Mark, I like singing your songs. I want to write my own. And he was like, well, do it. And so I quit. I like quit Hairspray. And I went back to New York City off the tour. And I was just like dancing in a club one day. And Peppermint, wow. Peppermint came up to me and was like, do you want to be a backup dancer for me? I'm dancing. I'm performing at Lincoln Center. And I was like, Hell just yeah. like that. That's amazing. And so I just became a backup dancer for Peppermint for four years. And like the obvious transition as a a recording artist who was doing stuff for her and then like slowly but surely started to play in Mama's Closet was, was, you know, to start drag of my own. And with the help of uh, the Davenports, I became a thing. Wow. Amazing. And Aja, you started as a teenager. Is that right? Yes, I for me, I have such a different and very odd relationship to drag because for me, drag has been a lot about navigating like um, <clears throat> sort of like an identity crisis, like a gender identity thing. And also mm-hmm. has been about um, me overcoming a lot of social anxiety because uh, I, I always come off as very loud and like, you know, out there, but I'm such a like shy person. And um, it's never been like a persona thing for me where I'm like, I put on a face, I'm a different person. For me, it's always sure. been, how can I really teach myself to open up and allow people in? <clears throat> mm. And then um, 
And then midway into doing drag, I sort of started having this moment where I was like, wait, am I trans? Like, do I want to be a woman? Am I a man? Am I a woman? And that I kind of suffered from that, honestly, until like maybe two years ago, uh, wow. even after I did Drag Race twice, um, <clears throat> where I settled down and I, think, and I told myself, I was like, I don't think I'm doing drag because I don't think I'm really performing gender. I think I, I really am flying somewhere on the binary as fluid. And I think sometimes I want to put on makeup and be a personality and it has nothing to do with drag. It's just right. me. Mm-hmm. So um, I love drag and I love watching drag, but I feel like drag has kind of just made me evolve into myself. Yeah. Right. I mean, you're artists at the end of the day, right? Mm-hmm. You're performance artists, you're visual artists, and it's all, it's all beautiful. Also, I'm very curious because the digital world, you know, is such a huge and heavy factor in the the drag artists industry. What's it like? Is do you feel pressure to have your online presence and your like in-person presence? Is there because it's all I mean, it's still pretty new to incorporate so many, you know, queens from that are like Instagram famous right. and things like that. Like, how has that affected you guys? I was never a part of the like online community before Drag Race. Like mm. I was a New York City performance artist. Like that's what you know what what I did. Um, and then after Drag Race and the platform of that, I've fallen in love with being able to share my art online. Like that is mm. so dope to me, and something that I never saw as like a possibility. Especially because like when you're a person of color and you're queer, it's like art queer community nor nor does our plc community really celebrate us so it's hard Mm. to get like views and likes so i didn't even think that it was possible before my platform to create Mm. like an actual following um but that has been one of the greatest things that i've gotten out of drag race is that online community Mm. um for me i've always been kind of social media savvy especially since like before when we had like myspace and stuff oh Uh, yeah I mean, it, but it's kind of like for a dark reason, because I think growing up, I never really had friends uh, mm-hmm. because a lot of the time, um, I don't know, people just thought I was really weird. So social media was like a way for me to make friends and like mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, get to show people who I am. And after being on Drag Race, I, I met a lot of great people who started off as fans and i think to this day most of the people in my friend circle were all started off as fans uh wow so for me it's been a way to um social media especially in my artistry just plays such a big role especially since my biggest selling point honestly is like that i'm a personality so it's Mm -hmm. like everything else is honestly just like piggybacking that if sure sure so, so who do you, can I ask who you guys are obsessed with following on social media for better or worse? If there's people like, I'm obsessed with Britney Spears's Instagram. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's so tragic. <laughs> I I don't know what's going on. I hope she's well, but I am fascinated by it constantly. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any people like that that you're obsessed with following? Um, Amanda Lepore. Oh, okay. yes. You want to just see consistent beauty flashed in your face? It just doesn't <laughs> stop. <laughs> oh, amazing. Um, I, during this quarantine, I have had a guilty, guilty pleasure 
a following Cardi B, and my boyfriend cannot stand it. He's like, <laughs> he's like, get her off. I don't want to see her. And but everything she's done, like where she just goes on live with those crazy hairstyles, and she's yeah. like, let me tell you something, y'all. And I'm like, it's so crazy to me. And because, but you know what? Sometimes she's like really spitting facts, and I'm just right. like. I'm just yes, like, sometimes you? she's live with Bernie Sanders talking about the government. <laughs> that, that was so shocking to me. We're living in a world where, where you know, bad bitches pussy popping in politics. <laughs> like, I was right. just like, like, didn't she what? just drop a single talk about getting her ass eaten? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's power. I'm sorry, yeah. but that's power. I'm just ready for queer people to be able to talk about getting their ass eaten. Like, that's dope. Like, <laughs> And I've been thinking, like, if Cardi can do it, I've been making some music that's just not me talking about popping my ass on in the handstand, getting my ass uh-huh. eaten. Like, maybe that's the next single, Aja. Yeah, oh, my God. It, <laughs> and as long as it's Halloween-themed, you can incorporate all of it. <laughs> oh, uh, my God, yes. Yeah, what goes into writing a song? Like, where? How do, what's your creative process for that? I, for me, I need to be in a, like, place that, like, I'm comfortable because I mm-hmm. just can't, I can't, um, I can't make myself write music or make myself mm. write lyrics or make myself come up with ideas, but I've learned that I can like cultivate the space to do so. Like, mm. you know, mm-hmm. so my process is like taking a bubble bath, smoking <laughs> at least a half an eighth all by myself, <laughs> staring at the wall. The artist <laughs> is at work. Yeah. <laughs> and, and everybody's like, what are you doing? I'm like, clearly I'm writing a song. <laughs> um, <laughs> And then I kind of just like wait for it to happen. And when it does, it is just like actually as if something magic over my hand and the pen comes out. It al- almost always comes out like a fart. Just like, <laughs> I didn't expect that. Like, <laughs> you know, not that's, that. such a, that's such a perfect way to describe it. Yeah. It's so great. No, yeah. Um, for, oh, yeah, sorry. Asha, what's your process? Uh, so my process is very, like, it's different. Like, if I'm writing features for people, because uh, I'm more of a rapper than mm-hmm. uh, a singer, but I do write songs, too, and I do sing. But when I write raps for people, it's literally, like, you send me the beat, and, like, in an hour, I wrote it. Like, I'm just like, here you go. Like, you wow. give me the theme, and I'll go. But when I'm writing my own music, the only thing that gets me going is my own personal experiences. So, like, mm-hmm. it's like I got into... Uh, you know, an argument with somebody. So I wrote a song or like Mm -hmm. I spoke to someone and it made me think about something, but Mm -hmm. that mixed with writing the melodies, thinking about like how I wanted to sound. I wanted to go or like it. There's Mm -hmm. so much stuff that goes into writing a song. And, uh, you know, when you're a person who presents as like drag or trans femme or whatever, people sort of like dumb your music down and kind of like label you off as just like some clown. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it gets niched and put into this little category of like a parody. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've never written a parody track in my life. All my music has been about my life. So um, I think that, uh, you know, I think people should really get into the writing process of like people like, uh, like who are queer and really get to see things from our perspectives because not all of our music is about fashion and and dick and this. Sometimes it's really about like stuff that everyone goes through. Yeah. No, that's I think that's hugely important to even call out too because I could see how people can easily classify and lump it all into just this kind of frivolous category and not really listen to it. Yeah, I, I love remember, that word. I remember <laughs> once uh, Aj and I were we were bitching at each other about that same thing and 
he texted, they texted me. Um, it's so weird. If I was wearing a condom when I made this song, they wouldn't call it condom music. But because you're in drag, they're calling this drag music. Oh, whoa. And I was like, that's very true. <laughs> and also, write that down. That's a great line. Right, right. <laughs> well, if you wear a condom in the studio, it just makes the music safe. No, that was bad. That was bad. That's okay. Get out all the shit here and then save the gold for the studio. Okay, we're going to take one last break. When we get back, I have a bunch of really great Twitter questions. So we'll be right Yay. back. We're not too deep. No, no, no. No, no, no. No, not too deep. With Grace Albeck. Okay, we're going to get into some Twitter questions. Before we do, I'm going to ask you the two questions I ask every single guest that is mm -hmm. on the podcast. The first is, who, alive or dead, would you most want to throw cold spaghetti at? <laughs> <laughs> I, it can ch I mean, this is an answer that changes daily. So whoever you right. say right now isn't who you might choose tomorrow. So Right, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um... I'm going to say Jake Gyllenhaal, but then I want to eat it off of him afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. But there's a caveat. Yeah. That's oh great. God. I don't think we've ever gotten that answer. That's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I, I'm too nice to throw the spaghetti. Is that weird well, to say? It can also be like a celebratory throw. It can be something positive. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, I would like to throw the cold spaghetti at my boyfriend because he actually got out of bed and helped me with the groceries this morning. Thank God. That's lovely. <laughs> like, finally, you did something. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The other question I ask every single guest is to tell us your worst pants shitting story or close call, but you can only use three words or three small phrases. So mine, for example, is college jogging front lawn. <laughs> So it can be a pants shooting story. Uh, it can be a bathroom emergency. <laughs> anything that comes to mind. Um, wet dream turned <laughs> into shit dream. <laughs> oh, no. Wow. Okay. Uh, oh. No follow-up questions. No follow-up questions. <laughs> um, whoa. I, I, I really have, like, two answers. I've decided which one is the most inappropriate um, <laughs> um uh, well on my, my first hand like what i always tell tops is bottoms don't poop so like that's my first three words <laughs> bottoms don't poop um and my second one because i'm not ashamed of my past and the things that i've done is mm -hmm. don't do cocaine oh yes okay that is yeah. uh yeah, heed that advice, listeners and yeah. viewers. <laughs> yeah. Don't do cocaine! <laughs> Not uh, in the How do people do coke in nightclubs? <laughs> like, that's so... It's, uh, anyway. Uh, yeah. It's its own art, I guess. Uh, <laughs> okay, let's get into these Twitter questions. The first one, what has been the best part about being on Drag Race? Um, the, the fact that now I'm able to create all of the kind of art that I want to, like, before I didn't have access to do all of the things and make all of this music and direct music videos and have a house mm -hmm. that looks like a recording studio. Yes. Um, so that is like, my life has so drastically changed from that experience. Mm. Uh, yes, I, I agree. I think the best thing about Drag Race, honestly, the platform. Um, and 
Yeah, it's just a platform. Girl, mm-hmm. without the platform, nothing else, you know, it, it's not that you could never achieve it. It just would take a really long time. So it's definitely like a jump, a boost. Yeah. And uh, the second half of that question is, would you go back if they asked you? Me? Oh, absolutely. Either. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't have any regrets from being on that show. I wish there was more of me on the time that I was there. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, Asha, would you I, go back a third time? No, I definitely wouldn't. I yeah. have, I just have no desire to like really compete in things that I don't want to do, like you know, act or like be mm-hmm. like I don't know, like over overact challenge or like do yeah. this random like parody challenge. Like, these are just not things I realistically want to do. So I wouldn't want to be put in that situation because it it, it wouldn't make sense for me. But right. I would love if they just came out with a RuPaul's runway race where it was just right. runway categories because oh. I know that I would do great at that. Yeah, <laughs> same. I would be here for that too. I'd be, I would love to watch that. Um, okay, someone asked, how would you describe your New York City sisters? Um... There's such a big amount, a huge amount of them. Um, mm-hmm. they, <laughs> well, how would you then? Okay, let's say if you had to, what's the major differences regionally between oh. uh, different drag? Well, New York City drag is the best drag in the whole entire world. Like that's okay. that, like <laughs> in the whole entire world. Everywhere I've been so far. I mean, I live in LA. I love LA Queens, but like New York City drag, you have to do something that you don't have to do anywhere else, and that mm-hmm. is you have to hold a room for hours yep. and like sometimes two and like one drag queen in an outfit that clearly came from rainbow that has five rhinestones on it who thinks that she's the shit has to like hold a room for two hours mm-hmm. this is not something that happens anywhere and it built like a really really strong uh performer to be able to like get them you know yeah and yeah, that's your a, crowds are tough yeah yeah that's a very difficult skill yeah yeah insane um, yeah, pe- go ahead. I was gonna say people in New York will show up to the show, and they expect you to do Cirque. The- you literally, you're in a room <laughs> with a capacity of twenty people, and they're like Cirque du Soleil, do a backflip, and you're just right. like Jesus Christ, right? <laughs> oh man. <laughs> um, okay, someone wants to know who do you most want to collaborate with? You take it first, other than, <laughs> other than each other, obviously. Um, like out of anybody in the world. Yeah, it's open-ended. So who's on oh. the top of your list to collaborate with? Oh, girl, my list can go on for ages. Right. <laughs> uh, my dream collaboration right now, I would love to do a song with SZA and Lord at the same time. Wow. Work. That would be very cool. I would love to, cre- uh, to collaborate and create some uh, POC queer content with... Uh, Tyler Perry. Wow. That'd be cool. Yeah. I think that he has such a reach in the African-American community. And if we use some of that reach to reach out to our POC queer uh, brothers and sisters, it could really make a difference in all of their lives. That would be so cool. Yeah. Um, Okay. Someone's saying we've seen you, you do a lot of exciting and interesting projects. Which one have you enjoyed doing the most and why? Projects I enjoy doing the most and why. I, um, hmm, you know, it hasn't come out yet and I'm not even in a whole, whole bunch of it. But mm-hmm. last summer I shot, <clears throat> I shot a movie with Michelle Visage and Vicky Vox 
And like the whole time it was, I was just eliminated from Drag Race when we started shooting. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it was like, and, and Peter Fascinelli's in it. And like, it was, we just had like, I just had like four days of it on set. And it was just like such a good, like, Kiki. And it was like, right uh, after I got eliminated, I was like, oh, my life is fine. Like, <laughs> uh, that's <laughs> you know? so nice. Yeah. Um, wait, what was the question again? You've done so many interesting projects. Is there one that stands out as a favorite? Oh my God. I definitely just had a brain fart. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Um, I'm amazed that all of us are even here doing this right now because every day is exactly the same and I don't know what day it is. <laughs> right. <laughs> Me neither. But my uh, my favorite project that I've done, um, I definitely love, oh my God, I love everything I've done. But I think some of my favorite projects have been being able to be the face of campaigns for like big mainstream things like uh, H&M's yeah. Pride campaign. I was... Uh, the first gender non-conforming person to be labeled Amazing. as a musician. Uh, also, I was like the face of the Starbucks s'mores frappuccino when it came back out. And I know they, <laughs> they, they went through my Twitter because I was petitioning on my own. And I don't know who saw it, but I was like, bring <laughs> back the s'mores. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow, it's the power of social media. You really made that happen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Period. <laughs> Mm -hmm. um okay so many people are asking what's coming up what's in the works i know it's a weird time but are things happening absolutely i have not stopped one bit like i told you when we first picked up the call i mm -hmm. just uh turned my house into whatever kind of studio i can i've been getting like poster board from the dollar store and figuring <laughs> out however i can make art here and i've uh i'm working with a platform called drag for fans um mm -hmm. which is uh, from the owner of Just for Fans, and uh, it it's creating a way for drag queens to monetize from their homes by creating content, just like they would at the, at a bar, and gain Amazing. subscriptions from it. So I've actually been able to survive off of it, and like I didn't think that was going to happen, but I think because everybody's in quarantine, mm -hmm. like I, I I had my services up on the platform for a year, nobody was budging. We went into quarantine, and everybody <laughs> joined, and now I'm Suddenly. like producing, producing, producing more art than I was before this. Um, so Amazing. I'm not stopping. I'm, I'm just now able to like cut out the club and just charge a, a, the door fee right into my bank account. Period. That, <laughs> that sounds ideal. Yeah. <laughs> um, for me, I'm just like still working on my album and like I, I realistically wanted to get uh, a, a single or two or three out before the album, like kind of like a summer moment, like a little yeah. like, rollout. <laughs> But, you know, at this point, we ain't having a summer. <laughs> and, uh -huh. um, you know, I don't know. As soon as I hit the studio, I'm going and running and I'm putting this album out. And uh, I'm really excited because uh, usually in my music, I've been uh, very emotional, emotionally angry. And I think this is my first project where I dim down the anger and I kind of just like letting people into my vulnerable side. Oh, that's nice. It's a little softer. It's a little softer. It's still <laughs> fun. It's still a little hard, but like a lot of it talks about my love life. It talks about my struggles in the music industry. It talks about my mm -hmm. struggles in life. And um, I think it's going to definitely be my most relatable record yet. Oh, that's Aww. very exciting. Um, okay. Someone wants to know, uh, speaking of runways, which runway from any season that you haven't been a part of would you most want to do? Duh. That's tough. 
the cake runway, no, the hair runway from season three. Mm. Uh, oh. out of hair. Yeah, that was the dopest. And yes. the, season three was everything. Like It really just, was. Just to have Raja on that runway consistently and Manila uh. on that runway. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Um, my, I would love to do, it's so tough. They've had so many runways already, but, um, I would love to do the death becomes her runway. Um, when they had to come out as like themselves, like how they would die. And I don't know, there's so many things you can be frostbitten. You can be like Mm -hmm. the victim of, I don't know. Anything. <laughs> I like Lord. that you just you just told us that you were in a very soft, like sweet space and now you want to dress up as death. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well. That's great. <laughs> okay, uh, here's our last question. Um Aaron wants to know which pop icons bathroom would you most want to make a brown in and why? Which pop icons bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> which yeah, which pop icons bathroom? Would you most want to take a shit in, basically? Yeah. Um, fucking Troy Savant. <laughs> because, yeah, I would love to take a shit in. First off, he eliminated me, and it's so funny. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Troy. Troy Savant, I would take a fucking dump in your bathroom. Um, <laughs> um, and then I saw him when I went to make my return to Drag Race, um, when uh-huh. I came back from my season. After I was eliminated, I went home. I was depressed. I grew a beard in. The beard got me laid. <laughs> um, and then I, I was in the airport to go back to Drag Race because I got to go back for that makeover challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and guess who was sitting across the airport from me? Fucking Troy Savant. And he's okay. like, where do I know you from? And I was like, you just eliminated me from Drag Race. <laughs> Not that. I would totally take a dump right in his bathroom. In all of his bathrooms. All of them. <laughs> I love, I, I love that. I would like to take a shit in Billie Eilish's bathroom. Oh, uh, but okay. like, <laughs> I, I would like for her to sing through the door to me. And I would yes. like to like sing yeah. back, but like while, <laughs> while shitting. I feel like it'd be That's, very soothing. Yeah. And oh, that would be the most extreme <laughs> performance it, art of all time. Oh, but it, in dark red lights. But it depends yeah, yeah. on which she it depends on what she was singing though. Like, cause if she's like, I'm a bad guy, while like you have like a big turd coming out, that's not gonna be fun. No, it's just like <laughs> I had a dream. I got everything I wanted. <laughs> and just in the middle of it. Just... <laughs> <laughs> no, I am I let me tell you something. I'm a lady on the toilet. I don't. Really? I don't make noises. Good for love. you. Oh, I, 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 I just since I've been home, I installed uh-huh. speakers into my bathroom. Fuck this. <laughs> no, no, that's I a life hack. Studio apartment. I am going in one time. I, I took a, a guy home in Mexico, and uh-huh. he left because of this. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You, yeah. I mean that. That's some powerful BM situation. Yeah, yeah. Good for and, you. And I just switched to meatless, so I'm vegan now, so it's real. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little side note they don't tell you about when you go yeah. vegan. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for being here. Before we officially wrap this up, usually uh, if we do this in person, we give all of our guests a personalized fortune cookie from us to you for making time, but we're going to do it digitally so melissa i believe has sent you each your personalized fortune cookie are you let me go first 
Yes, please. Go for it. (laughs) I mean, I can sit in silence for another minute or so. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, Okay. Your perseverance and push for people to do right by others makes you a bright light in dark times. Usually these fortunes are funny, so we apologize if you're disappointed. Oh, Oh, that's so sweet. (laughs) (laughs) Mine says, the best way to keep cake moist all day is to eat it all at once immediately and quickly. This is not doctor's orders, but consider it as such for the sake of your Mm well-being. Oh, my God. Okay, (laughs) truth be told, if I have ever baked a cake in my house, I have eaten it as soon as it's gotten out the oven. Well, You have to. Now I'm going to do that, too. (laughs) I'm going to go bake a cake now that I'm stoned and I'm done with the great coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, okay, where, thank you again so much for being here. And where can everyone find everything that you're up to if they don't know? The, the best ways to find me are, number one, my YouTube, because I have an uh, awesome, uh, awesome YouTube show called The Fuck that I'm releasing. Oz is yes. on the episode that we just released today. Yes. Um, and uh, so I have tons of cool, crazy things coming up there as well as uncensored versions on my drag for fans. And that's crazy. Um, As well as uh, not safe for work content that's drag content on my drag for fans. All kinds of cool, crazy music videos there as well. Um, And I always like to tell people the best merch that I have is on iTunes. Like buying my song is even more important than buying my t-shirts. So that's wonderful. But my t-shirts are cute too. And you can get them (laughs) at (laughs) officialhoneyd.com. Love it. (laughs) Um, you can find me on Instagram at Aja the Queen with K W E E N, and mm-hmm. uh, Twitter is Aja Queen with Queen spelled regularly because sometimes we do that. <laughs> um, and honestly, I'm on every music streaming platform from iTunes to Spotify. To girl, if you somehow go to the future and then come back <laughs> and then pull out the vinyl and pop uh-huh. it onto the pop it onto the poop, bitch, we got it. <laughs> and cameo all of it. Uh, thank you again. I'm so excited for everything that you're getting up to in this quarantine. I can't wait to see the art that you continue to make. And we'll see you guys next time on another episode of Not Too Deep. Goodbye. Too deep. Too deep. Too deep. Not too deep. It was Grace Helbig. Not Too Deep is a production of Grace Helbig Incorporated. Producer Melissa D. Montz. Edited by Shireen Lani Yunus. Post-production sound by Chris Henry. And an extra special thanks to Flula for the theme music. Music.